Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Our Father and our God, we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that Father Almighty God, as we come before you tonight, we just pause and we ask the Holy Spirit to be our guide, be our strength, be all that we ask you to be. We pray that you open the word of God to us tonight. We pray, my Father, that by the end of it, we have a healthier heart than when we started so that we may believe you, we may believe your word, that we may be and do all that you have intended us to be and do so that you are glorified. Father, we welcome everybody who's listening by podcast, and we just ask you to bless them even as they listen, Father. We thank you for all that you have done, Father. But most of all, we thank you for all that you will do. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, um, it was an absolutely wonderful time we had last week, and so we're going to press on and let's see whether we can't um conclude this section and then we'll move we've got a few more things to go on to look at and what are we looking at we are looking at how to have a healthy heart how to create an environment that allows us to have a healthy heart and we're looking at prayer and we're working our way through the lord's prayer which has been quite um revelatory so that we're looking at that and we're going to do that tonight and so i will read ladies and gentlemen um I'm going to read the through our scripture and our scripture, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, starting from where we left off, I'm, I'm going to continue from Matthew chapter six. Um, and last week we got to praying the will of God. And so we are now at a point, ladies and gentlemen, as we come, we, we got to praying the will of God. And then we got to give us this day, our daily bread. And that's where we ended it last week. And so we'll pick it up from there, which is a great place to pick it up at this point in time. And so I'm going to read from Matthew chapter six, and I'm going to start from verse eight. And so the Bible says the following, and I'll read from the King James version of the Bible. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask them. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And we did read on, ladies and gentlemen, um, so that is Matthew 6, reading to verse 13. But remember, we, we are going to verse 18, okay? We're going to verse 18. And the Bible says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret. And the end of verse 18 is really important. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly and so ladies and gentlemen what we're going to where we got to last week we got to praying the will of god and we had a great time speaking about that speaking about the holy spirit speaking about how god guides us and so that's where we were um and so we'll pick it up from there and so after that's at verse 10 and so after verse 10 we are we'll get to verse um 11 and this is how Jesus says we should pray. Now, remember what we've already spoken about before we got here. We said to create an environment for a healthy heart. The first thing we said was spend time in the word of God. 
reading, studying, meditating upon, confessing and acting. Because as you do so, the Lord heals, strengthens your heart. And so we said that was the first thing we spoke about a few weeks ago. Then we came to the place of prayer. And the reason we said the place of prayer is really important is as you come into the place of prayer, um, so as you come into the place of prayer, ladies and gentlemen, you realize that as you come into the place of prayer, that God works on your heart, your heart, your soul, and your mind. And so that's really important. And so what we wanted to realize is as we build an environment for a healthy heart, as we do so, we literally, we come into the place of prayer. And as you do so, as your prayers are answered, it gives you the confidence and reassurance to go before God in prayer each time. And so where we are now, so verse 11. So verse 11 says the following. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, when we think about give us this day, so as we come to the place of prayer, one of the things we can pray for is provision, provision of our needs, provision of the things that we require, provision of the things that, um, that God has provided for. But the picture I want you to have is, and I think we mentioned this last week and I'll mention it again, it is this. Think of a quartermaster in an army. And a quartermaster in an army, what he does is whenever a soldier is going out on a daily, on, on, on any activity daily, what you'll realize is they can come to the quartermaster the quartermaster will know what operation they're going out on, and he will provide for them. He will provide for them whatever they need, whatever they require. And what Jesus is saying is that in the very same way, when you come to your father, you can ask him that, Lord, this is what I need in this particular season. This is what I need today. And notice what the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 8. The Bible says, God already knew before you arrived, this is what you require. And God is our provider. And so, and so what I want you to realize as you come into the place of prayer, be confident to ask the Lord for what you want. Be specific be confident. And so one of the, the, uh, the scripture that we want to use to back that up um, is um, Philippians chapter four. And we're going to read from verses six to eight. Philippians four, six to eight. Um, and I'll read. I'll read it in this book. Um, I'll read it in the Amplified Classic version of the Bible. And the Bible says the following. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Verse 7. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. The Bible says, for the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly and whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on, weigh and take account of these things, fix your minds on them. 
And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we realize is, so let's understand how we ask for our needs. The first thing is, the Bible says, in everything by prayer and petition. A prayer is a direct request. And when you come before God, there comes a point where you actually have to specifically say, God, this is what I require. This is what I need. Jesus says that when we do that, as the Bible says, he says, I will give you your daily bread. Now, not only will God give you what you require, but he will put his word in your heart so you are able to receive by faith what he has promised you. And so we realize when you ask God for anything, the first thing he will do in response is speak. He will bring his word alive and he will bring the fact that I've already done this. He will activate a promise. And so that's a prayer. So it's a direct request. And so when we want to ask God for something, what's the first thing I, what one of the things I encourage you to do is find the, what the Bible says about what you're asking for. And you will realize that God will provide it to you jesus says so when you come into prayer and you're praying the, the lord's prayer daily pray specifically ask him that this is what i need this is what i need and that's a prayer then the bible says the bible uses the word petition petition is different from a direct request a petition means it's a legal term that means based upon a promise that you have that you have made i ask for something and so, ladies and gentlemen, you realize the promises of God, okay, the promises of God shows you, and, and I say this very carefully, the promises of God, what you hold on to is you realize Jesus has already said, yes, that can be the case. So turning your Bible, um, as we speak about promises, so there's prayer as a request, that comes based upon our relationship with God. Second, a promise. And the promise is as follows, ladies and gentlemen. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And this is what the Bible says. Second Corinthians 1, verse 20. The Bible says the following. For all the, and I'm reading the King James Version of the Bible. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him are men unto the glory of God by us. And to give you an example, so when you're asking God for something, once you can find a promise on it, once you can find the promise that this is what God has said, you can now take that word. Remember what we said about the Bible. Read it, study it, meditate on it, confess it, and act on it. So when you find a promise, you literally do want those four things. When you do so, it gives you the confidence to come before God and say, I believe this. I believe that you are my provider. I believe that I'm healed by your stripes. I believe that when I call, you will answer. I believe that when I cry, you'll say, here I am. I believe that you will direct my steps. I believe. And what you realize is you can now make a request with confidence saying, God, this is your will. And this is what I need. Now, that is a petition. And so what I want, uh, let, uh, we're going to take our declaration now. So we're going to pause. I'm going to take our declaration. And this is what we say. So it's 714. And so let's take our declaration together. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name, we pray. We declare our land is healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that, that's our declaration. We say that at 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening. 
wherever you're listening to this from, whether that be in the United Kingdom or any other country, declare that over your country, that God will heal the land. God will grant you healing in that area. Okay, the next thing we want to look at. So what we, we're looking at is making a petition based upon this is what you said. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, let me give you an example in scripture. Come with me, please. To the book of Luke. Chapter 17, I'm going to read from verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. I'll put that in the chat, ladies and gentlemen. Luke 17, 11. And we're going to read pretty much to about verse 17. And the Bible says the following. This is a story about Jesus. And the Bible says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master. Then they made this statement, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves unto the priests. And the Bible says the following. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. That means the leprosy was clear. So what they did was they asked God for mercy. We're going to come to that in a moment, but I want to show you that mercy is also promised to you. They ask God for mercy, and Jesus responds and says, mercy is yours. And so they literally did that. They asked for mercy. Jesus gave them mercy, and their leprosy was cleansed. But now let me show you where that is in the Bible so you realize this is something that you can hold on to. Turn with me in the Bible to Exodus 33, and I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. We'll come back to Luke 17 in a moment. But this is where the promise lies. God is speaking to Moses, and he says the following. Moses has said, show me your glory. This is verse 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And the Lord responds like this. This is verse 19. It is becoming one of my favorite verses of scripture. And the Bible says the following. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So what you begin to realize, ladies and gentlemen, is this. When the lepers cried out for mercy, there was a promise that God said, this is who I am. You can make a demand on who I am and I will respond. So their cry became a petition that Lord Based upon who you are, based upon what we know about you, have mercy on us. And this is the promise where mercy lies. So that's the first. So prayer petition. So they made a petition for mercy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what we realize is in the very same way, whatever you need, the Bible provides an answer for. There is no human need that is not covered by the Bible. And so when you go into the Bible, you will find promises that will literally step into your need. And this is one of the beautiful things about reading the Bible. And so when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, what he's saying is there is provision. There is provision in the word of God. Now, but let's go back. Let's go back to um, let's go back to Luke 17. And I want to go back to Luke 17 for a very simple reason. Remember the three in the, the scripture on prayer, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 8. The Bible presents three ways of praying: prayer, petition, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. So let's go back to Luke 17. 
and we will continue the story. And we'll pick the narrative up from verse 14. And Jesus has said, when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Jesus knew that there were 10 of them and he wanted all 10 to be blessed about with what's going to happen next. The Bible says there are not found, they're not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. So as the man was giving thanks, he was giving glory to God. Notice what happens next. Verse 19. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Jesus uses a different word for this particular leper than he did for the others. The others, the Bible says, when, they, when mercy was shown on them, they were cleansed. The disease was cleared. They were free to go. But the damage that leprosy had caused was still there. But nine of them went and they were free. They, were, they could now go back into society. The priest would declare them clear and they're free to go home. But for this Samaritan, the Lord says to him, go your way. He doesn't say, okay, off you go to the priest. Now you're fine. He says, go your way. And he says, for your faith has made you whole. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I want you to, to, to a key ingredient when you come into the place of prayer is faith, a belief in God that says, I believe who you are. I believe that you can do what you say you can do. And I believe that you are willing to do it for me. That's a paraphrase of Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. When you come to God, you've got to believe that he can do it. That's what faith is. Notice what happens when he comes and he starts to give thanks. When he comes and he starts to give thanks, the Bible says his faith kicks in and faith draws for him something more than just a cleansing. Jesus said, you can go your way. Why? Because unless you tell them, They'll never know you had leprosy. So not only was he cleansed, but he was healed. That means the scars went. Fingers grew. Hair grew back. Eyes worked. Whatever damage leprosy had done, he was made whole. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me show you. So this is the key element. So these are the three ways in Philippians 4, verses 6 to, six to 8, that they said we should bring our prayers. Number one is prayer, a request based upon our relationship with God. Number two is petition, a request based upon what God has said he will do. Number three, um, number you've got prayer, petition, and then you've got supplication. Supplication is a cry for mercy. We've seen that already. They ask for mercy, and God says, when you ask for mercy, I have said, I'll give you mercy. Then the Bible says, with your prayers, offer thanksgiving. Acknowledging to God that God, whether I see it yet or not, I know you will do it. Come with me, ladies and gentlemen, because thanksgiving is remarkably powerful. It's a great element of your prayer life, where you come before God and you thank him, not only for what you can see that he has done, but what he will do. Notice the Samaritan was cleansed. He had, 
He's the leprosy was cleansed, but he came back to say thank you. So, and God did something on top. Turn with me, please. So let's have a look at that. And then we'll move on from this particular section. Psalms 50, reading from verses 14 to 15. Psalms 50. I'll put it in the chat for you, ladies and gentlemen, 14 to 15. And I'm, and the Bible says, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the most high. Then the Bible says, and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. When God delivers you, he will cause your story to glorify the fact that he's God. And I want you to hold on to this, ladies and gentlemen. So when you're coming into the place of prayer, come with thanksgiving. Prayer based upon relationship, petition based upon the promises, supplication, request for mercy, thanksgiving the bible says when those things are presented when you pray especially when you're praying for your needs when those things come together the following will happen and then we'll move on please turn with me to philippians 4 7 we've it's one of our scriptures we've looked at already philippians 4 7 so we've already gone there so i'll come back to that and i'm going to read it in the king james and the bible says the following after that when you've come to god with prayer this is what will happen and the bible says and the peace of god which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through christ jesus this is key after you have done after you've prayed you have to hold on to your victory. And how do you do it? Your heart and mind must remain peaceful, trusting, fixed on God. And this is, notice what the Bible says. When you finish praying, Jesus makes sure it happens. He ensures that your heart, that is where you believe with, and your mind, that is what you imagine, remember, and perceive with, stay focused on what God has promised you. So when you come out of the place of prayer, you can, ladies and gentlemen, you can stay with God so you don't move. And that's what it means to walk in faith. So when anybody asks you, you can come out of the place of prayer, you are facing a challenge, but you have joy you have confidence, you have a reassurance. The same confidence you have when you pay for something at, let's say, one of these electrical shops, and they have to go into the warehouse to buy, to bring back what you've paid for. Notice, because you are holding a receipt, the, 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 you don't panic. You don't say, well, where, where's my money? I've, I've lost my money. Where am I going to get my item from? I've just paid for my, you know, a brand new laptop or a brand new iPad or a brand new phone. I need to panic. No, no, no. You've paid for it, but you've got a receipt. The receipt gives you confidence and assurance that the shop will give you what you've paid for. The peace of God is your assurance that God is now in control. And that what you have asked for is going to come. And then what is yours and my part after that? Philippians 4.8. And this is a part that I want you to add to your prayers. And then I'll move on. Philippians 4 verse 8. The Bible says this. After you've prayed, after you have believed, the only element you can control next is what you think what you imagine, what you remember. Notice what verse eight says. The Bible says the following. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, the Bible says what? Think on these things. Win the battle in your mind because it creates an environment for miracles to happen. And I want you to really hang on to that. Hold on to that. And I say it sincerely. You can, con that's the part we can control. So what, when we say think about whatsoever things are true, honest, just, lovely, do not imagine God not coming through. So, well, I've prayed about it. I know God's given me an assurance, but I've prayed about it. But, you know, this is how so-and-so prayed about it and they didn't get it. This is how so-and-so prayed about it and they didn't, you know, they prayed about the, um, uh, an illness. They didn't make it. No, focus on the fact that God is faithful. Remember the last time he blessed you. Remember the last time he brought his word to pass. Re read the stories in the Bible that present to you the fact that God can be trusted. Why am I saying it like this? Because many times what we pray for is stolen when we do not trust the Lord. And this is what I want you to hang on to. Remember, you can control after you've prayed control what your mind does now this is the part and then you are on the back of that the lord brings in miracles and so may it be for you so when jesus says give us this day our daily bread as you come into the place of prayer fantastic fantastic um someone put this in the chat guard our hearts Proverbs chapter four, reading from verse 23, absolutely spot on. Because if you notice from verse 20 to 23, the Bible explains how you guard your heart. And so that's one of the things. So it's really, really important. So hang on to that. Fantastic. So what you begin to realize, ladies and gentlemen, so as you come into the place of prayer, when you're asking for your daily bread, three things. Prayer, based on relationship, petition, supplication, and thanksgiving. Those four. After which, think, focus on a successful outcome. And God will do the rest. Okay? So, that, that's, so let's go back to the Lord's Prayer. Let's keep going. Why am I saying this? Notice, as you do so, and God honors it, he strengthens cleanses and as we've seen here guards your heart the rest they say will be history okay let's have a look at the next one so let please come back let's go back to matthew chapter six and the next one is as follows when you come into the place of prayer ladies and gentlemen jesus says to pray the following and he says and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. A master key in the place of prayer is forgiveness. Now, when we ask God for forgiveness, so let's settle something. As we come into the place of prayer, what we have in Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of sins. We accept that. And so what the Bible says is we're asking the Lord to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, let's also understand what does it mean? Notice how this prayer started. This prayer started our father. So Jesus is teaching people with their relationship with God. That is where our sins have been forgiven. We are now believers. So when the Bible says forgive us our debts, what is happening? What are we asking the Lord to do? Let's understand. This is not that he's no longer our father. It is just that as we are going through life, when I'll give you an, and it comes to the next part, as we are going through life, we make mistakes. Or we also realize that we have things in our hearts that hurts, pains, agonies. We also, most of all is 
when the Lord says go left, we go right. He still loves us. He's still our father. But as we come each day, we say, Lord, in any way, if I have offended you in my thought life, if I have offended you in my actions, if you have asked me to do something and I haven't done it, if you have, Lord, if I've, you know, I've held on to a, a thought that's not right or I've treated somebody not right, forgive me. In the very same way, I forgive others. That means someone at work has upset me, I can let it go. Somebody in traffic is driving crazy, I can let it go. Somebody has said something about me, I can forgive it. The reason being is this, and this is why Jesus emphasizes forgiveness in the place of prayer. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. God doesn't stop being your father, but this is the impact of unforgiveness. Isaiah 59, reading from verse 1. The Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his, his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. When you have unforgiveness in your heart, what's the challenge? When you pray, not that God is not your father, but he does not hear. Why? And I'll tell you, and please keep this in mind. Please keep this in mind. Notice, come with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. I'll put that into the chat. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The Bible says the following. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. When you come before God in prayer, the first place he looks is your heart. So if you are harboring unforgiveness, then that's a challenge for this reason. Turn with me, please, to Colossians. So let me. So let's understand that. So let's keep this in mind. When you're coming before God, God looks at your heart. And it's so important. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, the Bible says, I'm not going to hear you. Because that, to, that for God is sin. What kind of sin are we talking about? I'll show you. Is he still your father? Yes. But is this still a sin? Absolutely. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to read from 12 to 15. Colossians 3, 12 to 15. The Bible says the following. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Verse 15 says, and let the peace of God rule where? In your hearts. 
let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Pause for a moment. That means, let's understand something. The Bible says, God has forgiven you everything. And what God has forgiven you and I, in comparison to what anybody else has done to you, it's not the, it's, the volume is not the same. And not that people have not been cruel and mean, but the Bible says, I forgave you. You can extend that forgiveness to somebody else because when God forgave you, notice you became a joint heir with Christ. You became one with Jesus Christ. You became a child of God. So he's saying that what exactly, let's weigh values. What can someone else do to you that I, God, have not taken care of when I forgave you? And that means you can forgive others. And so when Jesus says it, he says, when you come before God on a daily basis, because sometimes we may upset other people or we may upset things that we don't even know about. He says, forgive us our trespasses. Why? As we forgive others their trespasses against us. Why? The very simple reason is this. Notice, if you don't forgive other people, God cannot work through you to bless them. And so what will happen is you will go into a situation. The Lord will want to work through you to bless that person. But because you're saying, well, that person upset me, I'm not going to do anything for them. I'm not even going to, when the Holy Ghost says, okay, bless that person, give to that person, be kind to that person. And what I'm saying is, and you're going to say, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm, I'm upset. But the Lord is saying, listen, I forgave you. And so why, why is this really, really important? Notice what it says. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And when we say the peace of God, it's this. You and I have peace because of our Lord Jesus Christ with our Father. In the very same way, he's saying, extend that to somebody else. And the reason is, it will stop your prayers in their tracks. And no one is worth that. Think about it. If you're praying for a family member, you're praying for a child, you're praying for somebody, that prayer is critical. Being angry with somebody who upset you at work. And I'm not and I'm using that as an example. There are some really mean things, but the Lord is saying, I've got this. I've got this. Let them go. Let's keep going. And so that's what I want you to realize. A key element when you come into the place of prayer is forgiveness. Not only are you asking God for forgiveness, which he will grant you because of our Lord Jesus Christ, but you extending forgiveness to others. Why? Because the next verse of the prayer is so important. So let's go back to because Jesus reiterates forgiveness after the prayer is finished. We'll come to that in a moment. And so, ladies and gentlemen, please, hopefully that helps. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. And the prayer for forgiveness will always be granted. Because Jesus has paid for it to the uttermost. First John chapter 1. Verse nine. First, I'll, I'll read that for you, and then I'll come back to. Um, I'll read that for you. I just sense that's important. First John one verse nine. And the Bible says, "Now read from the Amplified." If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, He is faithful and just, true to His own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness. And continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will in purpose, thought, and action. Every time you come to God for forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen, it will be granted. 
And what does the Bible say? It says, if you come and you repent, that means, Lord, I'm turning away from it. Forgiveness is granted. Just keep that in mind. When you come to God for forgiveness, it's granted. In the very same way, when you extend forgiveness to somebody else, God always notices. And so let's just hang on to that. So please, that hopefully that really helps your prayer life. So and that will help your prayers because the one thing forgiveness does, it stops our prayers being answered. And so let's keep that in mind because it separates us from our father. Okay. Um, the Bible, then verse 13, Matthew chapter six, verse 13. Um, Matthew six and verse 13. I've got a question and I will come to it at the end, Matthew 6, verse 13. And the Bible says the following, and lead us not into, actually, no, let me pause for a moment. I'll answer this question now. And the question is this, what if you try to reach out to them and they don't want to know? Notice, forgiveness is not valid based upon the other person's reaction. Forgiveness is valid based upon what Jesus has done and what you have done. So if you extend forgiveness to somebody else based on what Jesus has done in your life, if they throw that in your face, it doesn't mean you have not forgiven them. And so let's keep that in mind. So how someone reacts to your act of forgiveness, that, oh, I still don't want to know you, I still don't want to talk to you, that's absolutely fine. You've cleared your slate. You've cleared your slate. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Matthew 18, reading from 18 to 20, the Bible says, if they refuse to hear you, then take it into the place of prayer. That God, I've done my part and I'm just going to pray for them. I'm going to wish them the best. Whenever I get the opportunity to be kind to them, I will do so. But that doesn't mean I'm still holding unforgiveness. I've done my part. Great question. That's why I wanted to pause to answer it. Fantastic question. Forgiveness is not based upon the response of the person forgiving forgiveness is based upon what jesus has done and your actions based upon what jesus has done the rest is up to god and he will work that out great question i hope that helps let's go to verse 13 matthew chapter 6 verse 13 as we bring as we come to the end of the lord's prayer and then we've got one subject to talk about after this before we move on and the bible says the following and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let, we're going to take those two together. Jesus says on a daily basis, when you come into the place of prayer, say, Lord, lead me. And lead you not into temptation. Now, what does it mean, lead you not into temptation? That means, Lord, order my steps so I do not find myself in a situation that my faith cannot handle. You see, when he says lead us not into temptation, it means, Lord, order my steps so that whatever I am confronted with, you will have assessed already that with my knowledge of you, with the help of the Holy Ghost and the word that you've placed within me, I can get through it. That means if, and I'll give you an example of what it means. And it means that your days now become ordered. Your steps become ordered. The Lord begins to guide you. And so when we say lead us not into temptation, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, I was on my way, to, I'll, I'll use this particular example. I was on my way to, to work and I was going to catch a particular train. I was coming into... Um, where I, I still work to today. As I got to the, the train was on the platform, I bought my ticket and I was walking across the bridge to go down onto the other platform. And to, I was, I was well, I was on time. And the Holy Spirit said, walk slowly. And I'm thinking, okay, why? I mean, but the train is there and I want to get to, I want to get to work on time. I've got stuff to do. And he said, no, no, walk slowly. So I slowed down. And he said, let the train go. I thought, uh, okay, this is an interesting day. I watched the train go. And you know what? When you obey God, sometimes you feel like an idiot. Because I got to the platform 
And I realized, okay, Lord, the train has gone. What do you want me to do now? And then I was about to get up and go and catch the next train, which is a little bit slower. He said, stay where you are. Wait for the next train on this platform, which was 30 minutes later. I said, okay. I said, Lord, okay. So I sat down, put my earphones on, and basically was I was I probably was playing a game or something. And I just basically just said, okay, Lord, I will do so. Train came, the morning rush was finished, doors opened, I got onto the train. I had no idea what was happening. And then the Lord went silent. So I just continued my journey, got onto the going to London, got the tube, took the train, came out of the tube station where I work, took four steps out of the tube. And I said, okay, you know what? I'll walk from the tube station to work. As I was walking to the road, literally four or five steps, I hear somebody call from a car, Pastor Badge, thank God we saw you. I'm thinking, excuse me? I'm expecting no one. He said, thank God we saw you. Thank God we saw you. Please, Pastor Badge, can we give you a lift to work? <laughs> I thought work is 10 minutes away. I, I, I said, okay, no problems. I hopped in the back of the car. I get into the car and he said, the person who was driving said, we're just coming from the hospital. And I said, hospital? He said, yes, my wife had a, he has a really, and she was in the car, that we've just been diagnosed with cancer. I thought, Lord, you knew this moment had to happen. For the next, so the ride to my office should have taken 10 minutes. But because of there were diversions, the next thing, the journey from, which was Brent Cross Station, it's a real station, Brent Cross Station, to church took 45 minutes because they had closed a particular road and we were trying to wander our way around 45 minutes. That gave me 45 minutes to pour into this couple who had just had what we call a sledgehammer blow. Ladies and gentlemen, why am I giving you this particular story? Because I want you to realize that when Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, that means let him order your steps because he has a reason for it. I will read Psalm 37, verse 23, in the Amplified version, Amplified Classic, Psalm 37, 23. The Bible said, the steps of a good man are directed and established by the Lord when he delights in his way and he busies himself with his every step. And what I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, many times the Lord says, I, there's certain things I want you to arrive at. But notice the second part of the prayer. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. That means, Lord, no matter what challenge I face, you've prepared me for. And in that particular situation, I was prepared. But then the, the Lord says, but deliver us from evil so just say and this is something i want you to realize the spiritual the invisible governs the visible job had no idea and i'll, I'll, I'll leave this for your personal study if you read job one and job chapter one you realize job's problems started in the invisible Sometimes Satan sets traps for you. And sometimes we walk into them, not because we, we want to walk into them, but sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we literally, we can't get away from. We can't. And Jesus said, in that case, before you arrive, ask God that if I find myself in a situation I cannot handle, Lord, deliver me. That means step in where others would not have and make sure that I get out of it, even though I'm facing a challenge. And ladies and gentlemen, 
in the very same way, the Lord has done the same for me. I mean, you find yourself in situations that you have nothing to do with, absolutely nothing. I remember when my children were, were relatively younger. And so their mum was away. And so they said, okay, you know, what do you want to eat? And I said, okay, let's go to Nando's. Let's go and buy chicken. So they are, when I say small, they're about, what, eight and six at that point in time. So let's go and get some chicken. So we went to Nando's stood in a queue and we walked into Nando's and we walked into the middle of an altercation. We were literally just standing in the queue and the person in front of us was having an altercation with the person behind the counter. And he was very upset. He was also very large. He was a huge guy. I mean, there was not an ounce of fat on this guy. He was built like a brick wall. He was having an extremely heated conversation with the person behind the counter. I was standing behind him and this is what happened. Eventually he, he decided that I'm gonna leave the shop. I'm not gonna, there's no, the, the, the quarrel is done. So he began to walk away. So he walks past me. So I am now in between him and the person behind the counter. He walks past me, his girlfriend breathes a sigh of relief. And as they walk out of the door, he's just about to leave. And the person behind the counter, who is tiny, comes round the counter and says, go. <laughs> this is a true story. The man looked round. He had just spent 30 minutes looking for a reason to hit this guy. And he didn't get one. The guy comes round the counter. But this time he says, you know, leave thinking that I've won the argument, the, the guy turned around. I am now standing in between this guy and the person behind the counter. I have two options. I can step back, take my video camera out and record and get 1.2 million likes on Instagram because I knew something was gonna happen. I had a split second choice. As he rushed, for the person behind the counter, I stepped in his path and I said, look, let him go. And he screamed at me, do you work here? Because he was looking to kill someone. And I said, no, but there's no, I really don't want that man to get beaten up. It's not gonna be a fight, it's gonna be a massacre. And the guy looked at me and this is inexplicable. It's all right, bruv, shook my hand, and he turned around and walked out. I didn't realize what happened until I looked at the faces of my children and their eyes were like saucers. And it's, this is a true story. Their eyes were like saucers. And I realized in that moment, God delivered us because he was ready to go through a brick wall. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm telling you is, as you come into the place of prayer, bookending your day, direction, step one, deliverance, step two. And please keep this in mind. God's primary method of delivering you from trouble is direction, not deliverance, because he wants to stop you getting into chaos but if you end up if the enemy sets a trap for you he will deliver you from chaos and so ladies and gentlemen as we come to the end of the lord's prayer we we come to the end of the section of the last thing we want to talk about is fasting and, and i'll just make one statement about fasting and, and it's a it's the beautiful one that jesus explains he says after you finish praying he says the prayer finishes, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Then he explains forgiveness again. But then he says, moreover, verse 16. He says, when you fast. And actually, no, the Holy Spirit said pause. So what we'll do is we'll deal with fasting next week. Um, but I'll say this for your own personal study. The purpose of fasting, ladies and gentlemen, is to ensure 
that your voice is heard on high, especially in difficult situations. And so ladies and gentlemen, we realize why have we spent so much time on prayer? As you spend time in prayer, it's the same impact as you spend time speaking to your best friend. He changes you. Prayer does not change God. Prayer changes us. And then through us, prayer changes things. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as you go into this week, I really encourage you, spend time in prayer. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. We'll look at fasting next week. And lady, we'll just look at fasting next week, and then we'll go on to worship, obedience, and giving. But as you go through this week, I, I want to join my faith with anyone on the platform who's believing God for a miracle. We've run out of time, but I just want to pray with you, and I want to join my faith with yours, and this is what we're asking God for. The Father Almighty God, for anyone who is believing God for healing, anyone who's believing God for direction, deliverance, provision, anyone who's asking God for your will to come to pass, we join our faith with yours. We stand upon the word of God, which says, you, O Lord, it is your will for your word to come to pass. And we pray that miracles will attend your way this week. We commit this day into your hands and we just say, thank you, my father. Let everyone have an amazing week in Jesus's most holy name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic week. God bless you. And I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. God bless you. 